0: Greetings. This is your host, Scott Swanstrom, and this is Mind Redefined, lifting the stigma around mental health. And today's episode is going to be a little bit of a shift from our previous episodes, where I'm going to have an opportunity to talk to you about de escalation and conflict resolution. It seems like we are in a day and age where tensions are ever on the rise, whether you enter into a restaurant or fly on an airplane or even in your own home. A lot of this seems to be very stressful, at least in part because of the pandemic season and uh, just where our society is at in an emotional, available and responsible way. And uh, before we get started and before I share some tips in regards to de-escalation, I do want to answer the question that we offer at the beginning of every episode. And that is, what is one thing that I'm celebrating today? The one thing that I am celebrating today is just an amazing wife who is my best friend. Melissa, I love you. Thank you for all of your support. Thank you for balancing out my weaknesses and celebrating my strengths. You are absolutely amazing. So... When we're talking about de-escalation, this is so important, whether it's in a professional capacity as we're working with our providers, those who are in mental health, substance abuse treatment facilities, or even in our own personal lives. These are just really good skills to keep in mind. So I've got a little bit of a list that we're going to work through today. First and foremost, we want to be empathic and non-judgmental. When someone says or does something you perceive as weird or irrational, try not to judge or discount their feelings. Whether or not you think those feelings are justified, they are real to the other person. So pay attention to those. You see, it's not about my value system and how I view someone else's experience. When you're assisting someone who is defensive, disruptive, whatever else challenge that they're facing in that moment, it's not for us to assign if that's right or wrong. We are simply there to be a support for them. And so we do need to be empathic and non judgmental. It might very well be the most important thing in that person's life at that moment. And we need to take that into consideration. Secondly, we want to respect personal space. With someone who is escalated in their emotional level. It's generally recommended that we are two to three feet apart from the person that we're talking with. If we're any closer, it tends to increase that anxiety level. So we always need to explain why we're getting closer to them or if we're getting closer to them, say if it was for a medical emergency. But again, explain what you're going to do before you do it if you need to enter into their personal space. Now, if you are too far away and maybe you're practicing social distancing, six feet or more, you want to make sure you have proper body language to show that you're following along, that you're listening and that you're present with them. Use comfortable eye contact. Don't look behind that person. Don't look around that person. Don't stare at the person but just be comfortable, be calm, cool and collected. You want to make sure that you're not looking for an escape either. You're not looking at your phone, you're not looking at your watch, you're not twiddling your thumbs or tapping your feet, but be present again for that person and give them plenty of space to help reduce that anxiety. Thirdly, we want to zero in on the feelings that they are showing and that they are telling you. This is really where you get to be an investigator. When A person is agitated. Facts tend to be ignored. So you want to zero in on those feelings. Maybe they're telling you that they're really angry. Maybe they're really confused. Maybe they're showing that they're really scared in that moment. So respond to those. Uh, Hey, I see that you're really scared right now. Is that right? or I can tell that you're really upset right now. Can you unpack that for me? So zero in on the feeling words and uh, eventually that person will start to de-escalate, and you'll be able to have a more rational conversation. We wanna focus also on non-threatening non-verbals. Pay attention to what you're doing with your gestures keep your hands open, keep them available. You wanna pay attention to your facial expressions as well. Some of us have a hard time connecting with our facial expressions. I know that I could be sitting in a chair and reading a book or maybe deep in thought, and possibly have an expression that I look like I'm angry. And uh, I've had people approach me on that before. And really, I'm just either in deep thought and, and just not connecting with what's going on on my face. So again, it's really important to pay attention to your facial expressions. You wanna watch your movements. Quick and sudden movements can surprise or scare the other individual. And you also wanna pay attention to the tone of your voice. We don't wanna be monotone robots but we also don't wanna be roller coasters. We don't wanna be all over the place. You wanna be calm, cool, collected, and confident. Also, We want to make sure that we don't overreact. Again, when the person is escalated, when they're agitated, they need someone to lean onto. And it may mean that they're going to push your buttons a little bit. But if you are calm, cool, collected, and confident, then there's no reason to bite into that. You get to set the benchmark for those conversations. So while you can't control the person's behavior, how you respond to their behavior will have a direct effect on whether the situation escalates or diffuses. So do not overreact. Also, we want to ignore questions that challenge your credibility and authority. And this is particularly true for those who are in professional roles that are working with individuals uh, in regards to therapies and, and growth groups and the like. Oftentimes you have be challenged. Who do you think you are to tell me this? or what gives you the right to say this? When you answer challenging questions in regards to your authority and your credibility, you will often get pulled into a power struggle. So when a person challenges your authority, redirect their attention to the issue at hand, remind them that you are there with them to link arms and to find solutions together. Also, we wanna set boundaries. If a person's behavior is belligerent or defensive or disruptive, Give them clear, simple, and enforceable limits. Offer concise and respectful choices and consequences. Again, when a person is escalated and emotions have been elevated, it becomes very difficult to process and to think through factual information. So always offer positive choices first. Set boundaries. The eighth on my list is that we need to learn to pick our battles on what we insist on. Now, this is a lost art, but it is one that is so important, not only for our professional lives, but for our personal lives. Pick our battles. It is important to be thoughtful in deciding which rules are negotiable and which are not. This is extremely important in the counseling world when you are working with individuals, as I have as a uh, residential youth counselor. We had uh, operated a milieu cottage type model in working with adolescents. And we had a very regimented schedule and there is a a very distinct routine that, that our students had to abide by. And it was part of their treatment plan. It was part of their recovery But we recognized that there were certain things that needed to be flexible, that our students needed to be able to speak into. And when they could speak into their own regiment, their own treatment goals, their own objectives for the day, they had that much more buy-in to listen to us so that we could work together towards other things. When they saw that we cared enough to listen, and that what they had to say was valuable, it really became a great therapeutic relationship to be able to get them from point A to point B in their goals. So again, pick your battles on what you insist on. Be thoughtful about what is negotiable and what is not. Nine, we want to focus on silence. Silence is a powerful but awkward tool. We are always... On the go, we are always having noise in the background, and silence is a really difficult discipline for a lot of us to just really appreciate. Maybe we are getting ready in the morning and we're having music playing in the background. Maybe we have music playing in our car on the way to the work or, or a grocery store. Maybe we even fall asleep with the TV on in the background at night. And so silence, again, might be very foreign to a lot of us. When you are talking with someone who is escalated, who uh, is really just in crisis mode, letting moments of silence occur can really be the best choice. It can give a person a chance to reflect on what's happening and how he or she needs to proceed. So buy them that time to have some silence, and it will really help that individual find that state of equilibrium. And then lastly, along with silence, we have time. Time is one of those things that is very uh, misunderstood or misrepresented in our culture today. Uh, We need to slow down. We are always in the hustle and bustle of our society. And really, if we had more time in the day, you hear the phrase all the time, then we could get so much more done. Where really, if we carve out a significant amount of time, and really all you need is 15 minutes with someone who is upset or agitated, buy them that time. And it will help allow them to make decisions without that unnecessary pressure. Now, you and I all understand what this looks like. Because if you have ever been rushed around to make decisions, maybe you're on the way to work or you stopped by somewhere for lunch break and you were outside of the store and you ended up buying something you saw on the window and you didn't try it on. You didn't know that you needed it. You didn't know if you had enough money for it really. And uh, you ended up having this thing called buyer's remorse. Then you were rushed to make a poor decision and you regretted it later on. This is true for everyone that if we feel rushed, we end up making poorer decisions. So we want to allow time for choices to be made for a person who is escalated, for someone who is agitated. And it gives them that opportunity, again, to process through how they need to handle their situation better. So again, time is crucial and it is incredibly valuable. So if this has been helpful to you, just make sure that you reach out to us on Facebook, Mind Redefined, Lifting the Stigma Around Mental Health. And uh, hopefully, that we are constantly generating hope, not only for ourselves, but for those who are around us. Again, thank you for all of our providers who are uh, in the trenches, who are doing the hard work, to helping others find recovery for really moving from point A to point B and just having a successful life and a happy life. Thank you. You are our heroes. But uh, all of us and all of our listeners, have an opportunity to make a difference in this world. And so just the small amounts of equipment that we can offer such as de-escalation techniques uh, can really make a difference in situations wherever we go. So I hope this is a benefit to you and I wish you well, thank you.